Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's Message of the Week. If you'd like to connect with us, please head over to hopeharrogate.co.uk forward slash connect. We'd love to hear from you. Good morning. Um, I am here to continue our series in Isaiah. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 58 and um, the title of this is Victory Through self-denial. It's, um, it's a cheerful one, again. <laughs> I want to ask you if you've ever missed the point of something, but sort of one of the side effects was, was quite nice, and so you carried on doing it anyway. So, an example. One of my earliest memories is when I was maybe six, and I had ketchup with everything. I was one of those kids. And I remember my brother and sister, both older than me, they asked me, why do you have ketchup with everything? And I said, deadly serious, when you have hot food, it's good to cool it down. And they both just laughed hysterically. It was nothing to do with the flavor of it, nothing to do with that actually I liked it. It was just basically, might as well have just dropped an ice cube on my food. Um, Another one is when I was 16, I went on a Missions trips to Uganda for two weeks, and we all had to take malaria medication. And one of the types of medication you get is a, is a mild hallucinogenic. And it gave my friend quite funky dreams. And um, she quite enjoyed the funky dreams. And so when she got back to England, she just carried on taking the rest of the box. Because <laughs> she quite enjoyed the slight hallucinogenic effect. Um, one last one, which doesn't apply to me, but just imagine... Someone saying, you know, I really enjoy spending time with my kids. It just makes me feel so smart. <laughs> like it's true, but if that's the reason, there's something wrong. So there's, there's a danger, isn't there, with, with pursuing something for a side effect. And actually, you're missing, you're missing the main point. So that's the passage you're about to read. Um, I'm just going to give you some kind of... Um, Handholds to, to help you navigate through it because Hebrew poetry is hard. Um, so we're hearing the voice of God, and at the beginning, he's speaking to Isaiah to tell Israel something. But then, halfway through, he sort of switches to just talking directly to Israel, and all the way through, he's quoting Israel back at himself and what they're saying to Isaiah. So um, I'm sure that's nice and clear for you now. Um, and the other thing about Hebrew poetry is it often has this kind of symmetrical pattern. So um, at the very beginning, you'll hear it says, um, there's a reference to using your throat and shouting out loud. And it also mentions Jacob. And then right at the end, you get this bit that says, this is the voice of God and mentions Jacob again. And you have this kind of symmetry and it, it works all the way through. And so um, the reason that actually matters is because we're used to any kind of narrative or prose, the conclusion comes at the end, right? And that's the, the really important bit when we wrap it all together at the end. But in the structure, actually, the, the key to the passage is right in the middle. Um, and so you see this kind of descent, oh, Israel's doing terrible things, it's bad, isn't it awful, it's, it's so bad. And then there's this bit in the middle where it goes, if only they did this. And then it kind of gets better and better and better to the end. So let's read it together and hopefully you'll see what I mean. I'm going to read it off here. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion. 
and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right, and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen, only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable for the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and you will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins, will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honourable, and if you honour it by not going your own way, not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land, and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I just want to very quickly flip it backwards and just say what this passage is not saying, because it's really important that we hear this. It's not saying if you've been praying for something for years and years and years and it hasn't happened, there must be something wrong with your heart attitude. That would be a backwards reading of it. This is saying, if you pray with a bad attitude, you shouldn't expect that prayer to be answered. There are many other reasons why prayers are not answered in the way we want them to be answered. So chasing the side effects, that's what I'm, I'm calling this, this kind of problem. For Israel... Chasing the side effect means seeking the blessings of God without seeking God himself. It means seeking the kingdom, but without the king. God is just a means to an end for these people at this time, instead of the end itself. 
Rob brought us a couple of weeks ago, um, the Westminster Catechism. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Not to milk him for all he is worth until he cuts you off like a spoiled child. There was a similar problem in Jesus' time um, with fasting. Again, they'd, they'd sort of missed the point. Tim, if we can have that Matthew 6 passage. Jesus is saying, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. Excuse me, there. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. So it would not be obvious to others you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There's one of a whole list of things that Jesus says. Don't try and grab these things for yourself. And he sums it up at the end with this, this verse. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You don't get the kingdom without the righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So in our modern context, where can we fall into this trap? It's not just about fasting. It's about any time that we see something good that God gives us and we make that our ultimate aim. And there's quite a few different places that we can fall into this trap. I'm going to paint some caricatures. So they are extreme uh, versions of falling into these traps. So um, if we can have the next slide, Tim. So if we... We go, ah, oh, I get such comfort from God. That's wonderful, isn't it? But if we, if we seek out comfort as our main thing, if comfort is the reason we come to God, the problem is we can just slip into routine. We do what is comfortable for us. And a symptom of that is, is that our worship can become quite cheap. Um, there are lots of other things that can become quite cheap, but worship should be costly to us. We are bringing a sacrifice of praise. And so what we often see on a Sunday morning here is that the room is half empty at 10.30, and, and maybe um, lots of people are getting coffee, lots of people are having a chat, and there are lots and lots of very good reasons why you might be late to worship, so please don't hear me judging any individual person. There's lots of caveats here. Um, but, but maybe if the Spirit is saying to you, oh, actually, coffee has become more important than worship at 10.30 for me, or why do I always need to finish off my conversation with that person before I can come to God? Um, that's between, between you and God. I'm not laying that on anyone. <laughs> um, a sense of value is another thing that God gives us. But if we, if we come to God just to get a sense of value, what we end up doing is we try and strive for that sense of value. We feel we have to do lots of things to earn that sense of value. It can become legalism, and, and a symptom of this is when we don't do it, when we miss it, we feel guilt about that. And so if that is um, that's for you, then, then just hold that one in your mind, maybe work out which one of these you have a tendency towards. Again, I'm painting an extreme picture. If um, well, Another thing God gives us is, is a sense of status. He says, you are my child. 
And so we honor one another as children of God. But if that becomes your aim, then you can become proud. And so when you give generously, if you discover that actually for a week later you're talking about how generously you gave to all your friends, or if you, if you served someone but you are expecting some kind of reward, then maybe, maybe um, pride has become or could become a problem in, in, your, in your life. And the last one doesn't quite fit into this category of a side effect, but it's in the passage where um, they say they rest on the Sabbath and they do what delights them, but they force all their workers to keep working on the Sabbath. We try and have both. Um, we try and have God, but also we try and have what the world offers us. And, and that's sin, isn't it? And so if, if there's a sin problem in your life, and we all sin still, even though God has transformed us and is transforming us, we all sin. But if there is like a, a repetitive, willful sin problem in your life, um, then you'll notice that the Spirit will be convicting you about that. So why is it a problem if we worship God just to get stuff? Surely we're still worshiping God, right? And he wants us to worship him. If we are worshiping God to serve ourselves, then we're not serving God. In fact, we're worshiping the self. We're worshiping ourselves. Idolizing the self. It's no longer really Christianity at all. It's selfianity or meanity, dananity, whatever you want to call it. If I am the God in my life, I am the ultimate power in my life, I'm not going to expect any healings. Believe it or not, I cannot raise the dead in my own power. We only see those kind of powerful things that God does when he is above us and we are subject to him. When uh, God says in Isaiah and Jesus says in Matthew, you should not expect to receive anything through that kind of prayer, that kind of sacrifice. It's not because he's being petty. He's going, you didn't worship me, so I'm not going to give this to you. It's, it's a sign that if, <laughs> if I am the God of my life, I can only do what is within my own power to do. And so I should not expect to receive anything beyond my own ability. And so what is the solution? Tim, if we can have the um, verse 6 and 7 back up, which should be the next slide. This is that center bit of the passage that I mentioned. The solution to this to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, break every yoke, share food with the hungry, provide the poor wanderer with shelter, clothe the naked, and not to turn away from our own flesh and blood. It's the key in the middle of this passage. Not turning away from your own flesh and blood literally translates as not hiding yourself from your own flesh. And these set of things are the work that God has been doing since the beginning of the Bible. 
So breaking chains and loosing cords, setting free the oppressed, all of those things we see as God liberates Israel from Egypt. Feeding the hungry, providing shelter, we see that in the wilderness, in the promised land. Clothing the naked goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. And what did Adam and Eve do? They hid themselves from their own flesh and God came looking for them. So we are called to join in with the work of God, not to do what Adam and Eve did. And that's been the command from the very beginning, to join in with the work of God. He called us to be the image of God, which means to join in with his work, to be his partners, to be his hands and feet on the ground. We are called to join in with God's work to succeed where Adam and Eve failed. How do we do that? If I just ended here and said, so go, be the image of God, <laughs> you'd be like, okay. <laughs> it all starts with, with stories. So if we believe the stories of the Bible rather than believing the stories of the world, then we can start to change our mindset. It's why we tell the story of the, the generosity prayer every, every week. Is, yes, it is a prayer, but it's a story. It tells a different different narrative to the world. And through stories, if we choose to accept them, they can inform our choices. And choices lead to actions. When we repeat those actions, we form habits, and all of our habits make up our personality, our character. And so as your character changes through those actions, those habits, that is a transformation. That's us becoming more Christ-like. That is um, spiritual growth. Um, that's discipleship. All these words mean the same thing. And so through making one choice today, which could lead to action, you can begin that, that process of, of spiritual transformation. So if you haven't believed the stories that I've been telling you today, um, please don't take any of these actions on board because it's, it's meaningless. Um, instead, why don't you talk to a friend or talk to someone in this church that you respect, come and talk to me and say, when he said that, I wasn't quite sure. So, but if you are sold by the story that I've been telling you, why don't you take on board one of these actions that I'm about to suggest? I'm going to suggest loads, and they would all be good to do, but please don't try and do them all. Take one. Um, so if we can have the next slide up, Tim. So coming back to these, these side effects and these problems, if you think, yeah, you know what, I sometimes slip into that comfort side effect where my worship is cheap. Um, I would suggest that you enact a private worship time during the week. Maybe listen to or read the lyrics without singing along. You find a style of music that you don't normally listen to, different genre, so you're not just enjoying the music. And teach your heart to find joy in truth rather than in sounds. If you are striving for value and you experience guilt when you don't follow through on the things that you've committed to, I encourage you to deconstruct those habits that you've built. Ask yourself, why do I do that? If you read the Bible every day, but you don't get any joy from it, Go back to why you're doing it. 
And so reading the Bible is really hard when you do it on your own. And for 99% of human history since the Bible was written, it's always been read in community. And so find someone that you would read with, um, podcasts, resources that can help kind of do that in, in a sort of virtual community that you can create um, are all really good things to do. I've read a couple of books over the last two years that have been really good for this. Live No Lies by John Mark Comer was great. And also another book called Habits of the Household. I can't remember the author, but um, if you are interested, come and ask me. I'll, I'll send you that. If you find that sometimes you are going for status, you notice that symptom of boasting. Serve. There's nothing better than to turn your kind of perspective inside out of, I want this, I want that. God, do this for me, your list of prayer requests, so that just turn it around. Begin your prayer time with a psalm or a scripture about God. Whenever we pray together as hope, communally, we always do this. Let's lift our voices to God to praise him for who he is at the start. Make that your pattern of prayer. Go and serve the poor. We've got the village, we've got pebbles, we've got um, Reflect that are all partnered with this church. We've got um, food pantries and resurrected bites that operate in Harrogate as well. You probably know a whole load more charities. I'd encourage you to, to serve the poor in some way if pride is an issue for you. You don't even have to go outside this church. So being family together is, is a wonderful way to do this. If you look around the room and think, you know what, I, God is putting that person on my heart. Invite them over for dinner. Make it not just a one-off thing, but actively build relationship over time. Um, yes. See what, how you can join in with what God is doing instead of asking him to join in with what, you, with what you're doing. And finally, the last one is quite simple. If there's sin in your life, God is convicting you of it, confess it, confess it before God. Really powerful to confess it to another person as well. But I'm not going to dwell on that for much. Um, there's a lot there, but I, I would really encourage you to choose one thing and, and decide to do it. Joe, do you mind coming back up? And we'll, if Joe's going to play for a couple of minutes, um, why don't you reflect on maybe what, what God would say to you is your tendency. And then... Um, and Joe's going to lead us in a couple of songs, and we are going to pursue, not a side effect, but wholeheartedly just pursue God, worship him for who he is, declare how great he is, and um, yeah, just refocus on worship as the end, not a means. <laughs>